Hello everyone, I'm Alana. And I'm Illy. And this is Art. Hypothetically. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, for episode two, we are discussing the wonderful world of imposter syndrome. Womp womp. Yeah, imposter syndrome. Not a fun thing, but something that a lot of artists experience and we thought was an important topic to discuss because... I think we both experience it. Yeah, I mean, I would venture to say all artists have experienced, I feel like almost all people have experienced it. And I think maybe we just didn't have the right words for it until recently, or it wasn't like a common, a more common phrase until recently. I, I don't know. I just think it's something that is really important to normalize. And, and it's definitely a conversation that's popped up more, especially I'd say over the last year. Like I've seen a lot of articles over the past year discussing imposter syndrome. And I think maybe it's because of the pandemic and everyone's heightened sense of, oh no, bad things. I think there's a heightened pressure too for some weird reason that like people need to go into this horrible time and come out like a butterfly. And so there's like pressure on artists to like find themselves and make that big break or or whatever in this really horrible time for the whole world and that's a lot of pressure. So before we get too much into the topic let's let's discuss what imposter syndrome is defined as. Like when you google it, it it's like the basic definition is doubting your abilities and, and feeling like a fraud in what Ooh. it is that you're doing and I'm like oh okay. That's like actually more harsh than I <laughs> personally like reson- I've never like googled it um, ooh, feeling like a fraud. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are harsh words. Yeah, Google I, really came for me. I was like, right. okay. So how do you, how do you feel about that? I feel like you said it's, it's harsh words, but it is also kind of accurate. Because when I think of imposter syndrome, it's like, I don't feel like I deserve this, or I don't feel like I am worthy enough of what it is that I'm doing or maybe the response that it's getting. I I don't know how to really describe it. It's hard to put it into words, but I guess it kind of, even though it's harsh, it kind of makes sense to me. But the doubting your abilities part is definitely more of where the imposter syndrome resonates with me. It's like doubting myself. That's fair. Yeah, I do think, I think the self-worth aspect for me was more um, where I kind of sit with imposter syndrome like you said like this is really awesome but but why like what do you see in me because I don't see it that kind of thing like associating the word fraud with imposter syndrome is kind of freaking me out I'm not gonna lie I'm sorry no it's it's, but it's it's true and, and I'm sure that that's someone's truth and I'm sure like if we as we sit here and talk about it for the next 40 something minutes I'm gonna be like oh dang I'm a fraud that's not the, okay that's not the goal though that's not the goal with this podcast the goal is to talk about it address it and then figure out how we overcome it that's that's the goal oh oh okay gotcha ultimate goal <laughs> you know like you said in the beginning imposter syndrome can affect anyone it doesn't matter if you're an artist like in any I feel like career field especially imposter syndrome is definitely a thing I do feel like it also disproportionately affects artists probably more so than other careers because art is such 
a personal thing. And as we kind of explored in the first episode, like defining it even is a hard thing to do because it changes for different people. Um, So imposter syndrome with art can feel deeply personal in a way that it might not with other things. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I was just taking some, some notes because I had thoughts. Um, I agree. I do think that imposter syndrome can be across any, any career. Um, I'm curious if there are people outside of the career sphere who feel imposter syndrome. That might be something to talk about. Yeah. So like somebody who maybe gets a promotion, um, could still experience imposter syndrome, but like, I'm talking about like maybe like a lawyer or someone in a, you know, more like conventional nine to five office type situation, or even like medical things like that you can get a promotion you could be rewarded for your hard work and you can rationally be able to point to the places where you theoretically earned that title or that praise or that recognition because it's a little bit more dictate like it's more dictated by that hard work I don't know if that makes sense but I feel like for for artists there is a certain degree of just raw talent and good timing and luck sometimes um and i guess good timing and luck can also apply to other things but sometimes you just happen into the right audience or it resonates at the right time and you get that recognition or you go a little viral or whatever it is that is causing that imposter syndrome and it may not have been the result of five, 10 years of hard work and schooling that you might think another career might have landed you. So I think that it's like a little bit of whiplash sometimes, I feel like with with art. Alternatively, you can go through 10 years of nothing. Like you can go through 10 years of trying to get jobs or trying to make it freelance or trying to run your own business or anything of that sort. and and come up short and it has nothing to do with your quality of work it's a crapshoot the whole I just said all that to say it's a crapshoot <laughs> but yeah I think for me that's the the like aspect of no rhyme or reason is kind of what I struggle with that's I mean that's definitely a huge factor in it because like you said there's just there is no rhyme or reason to it sometimes it's a crapshoot like you can work as hard as you possibly can and get almost nowhere and and then someone who does one viral video gets all of this success overnight um but then does the person who has the one viral video the do they then feel imposter syndrome because they just like the algorithm favored them and they blew up overnight and so they're like i didn't work for 10 years to do this or maybe they worked for 10 years to do that but it wasn't on social media like there's just so many factors that go into how different people present their art, especially with social media, it's like literally anyone at any time could feel imposter syndrome for 20 different reasons. And I think a huge factor in it too is audience response to what it is that you're putting out there. Because if you're sitting there and you're wondering yourself, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And then you have people in the comments being like, why you? Why is this happening to you? It's like, then you're like, oh God, like, even though I'm working really hard, do I actually deserve this? Because I'm already questioning myself. And now you have this group of people over here who's also like, you're not worthy of that. Yeah, sometimes the the negative reinforcement and the positive reinforcement 
are the same. If you get a ton of positive reinforcement, everybody's like, you're the shit. Like, you're, this is amazing. Like, whatever they're, they're kudoing, kudoing, kudos thing, whatever they're trying to reward you for or praise you for, that can cause the imposter syndrome because you're like, well, this is really kind and this is really nice and I really appreciate it because it was, it's awesome, but why? And then you're questioning the why and then you start reading other folks questioning the why and, and it's like that negative reinforcement is positively reinforcing your own negative feelings and it's just a cyclical garbage heap <laughs> of emotions and yeah yeah I think another part of that too like that you touched on was like when people are positively reinforcing you and you don't know how to you don't know how to respond to that or accept that like I have a really hard time accepting praise Mm-hmm. or like any type of positive response like my initial reaction to someone saying this thing that you made is awesome is ah. I'm curious do you have an easy like if you have pride of ownership of something if you work really hard on something and you present it and to the world and you're happy with it are you more apt or more comfortable accepting that praise because you're like yeah man I worked really hard on this and it looks awesome or is it just a full, like, it doesn't matter, you're always going to find a flaw, or you're always going to know that, you think that you know that you could do better, and so, like, is there, is there a line there? I think that's always been hard for me, um, and maybe it has something to do with my anxiety, but even if I am proud of something, I usually find flaws with it, and I usually am, like, I beat myself up over it a little bit. It's not just like, oh, well, I'll do this better next time. It's like, wow, I could have really done better than when I, it's, it's really, Mm -hmm. it's like a cycle of self-deprecation. It's something that I'm trying to work on. I know it's very hard because I'm not like that towards other people. I'm just like that towards myself. Like if you were to post a painting, I would just like, I'd be like, that's beautiful. Like I would not find flaws with it. Like I find flaws with myself. It's kind of like, would you talk to your best friend the way that you are talking to yourself? No, mm-hmm. you wouldn't. You would never do that. There was a lot of like negative self-talk when I uh, taught at a paint and sip studio um, because people like anytime, I guess maybe because I had an art, like a little bit of an art background when I went to go do these paintings before I worked there. Um, but I always went for like the party vibe and it was fun, but a lot of people went to these paint and sip classes with no intention of sipping. Um, and they just wanted to make a painting and they wanted to display it in their house and they wanted to be proud of it. And so there was a lot of negative self-talk from the people in my classes. And I was just like, would you turn to the person you came with and say these words to them? Because I don't think you would. And if they were sipping and they were drunk, they'd be like, yeah, man, I would. (laughs) But yeah, it, it, it's true. We are our own worst enemies, particularly. I don't know what it is about creating, maybe because the concept and the, and the item like starts and stops with you, but we're definitely doing it to our own detriment all the time. For me, there's a line between um, helpful criticism and people just being mean. The mean stuff yeah. I look at and I'm like, okay, that is what it is. Like people right. are just going to be mean. Um, and there's nothing that you can really do about it. But I think that to an extent, criticism is, is very helpful, like, cause it can help you improve the quality of your work or like maybe address things that you hadn't thought of before. Um, and, and for me, like reading comments that are like, hey, I like this. Um, Do you think you could do this in the future? 
that's 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 more helpful it's like people saying what what they would like to see that is very different from people just ripping into you i i was watching a video the other day and it was an author on youtube it's, she has like an author tube channel and she talks about like to an extent she will read her reviews like she'll read her book reviews up until i'd say about like two or three weeks after the book is published and then she doesn't look at them anymore because at that point, she's, you know, gotten pretty much all of the feedback that she feels she's going to need. She has those initial reviews and the thoughts and positive and negative. And then if she just keeps reading them, you know, for the rest of eternity after the book is published, it's not going to really help her because, the like, the book's already out. She's ar- She already knows what the general response is, good and bad. I do feel that criticism, and I mean, I guess... It depends on the the medium and the field because like you're talking about books and you're talking about maybe like film or videos like you do and that is something that you kind of are expecting ongoing criticism for and i don't think necessarily that the same is true for like printed media or paintings or like regular fine art yes like if it's on display and people are seeing it regularly people are going to have opinions but for me criticism like in school like we would have crit like that would be part of our project and that was fine because it was expected and asked for at that time um so like if I'm posting a painting or a photo on Twitter or anywhere and I'm not like explicitly asking for opinions I don't I don't know that I am welcoming them (laughs) The praise is always welcome, but like the constructive criticism, unless it's something like culturally important, like if I miss the mark on something and it's like, no, this is really like offensive, then obviously I need to be told that. But but yeah, it, it is, I feel like the criticism aspect of it and the timing of that criticism is definitely dependent on the the medium and also the presentation of it. Yeah, I never thought about that how certain media has has the expectation of ongoing criticism yeah like it's like when you're publishing a book you just expect book reviews for the rest of eternity because that's just the the culture surrounding it um and and book reviews like too like people like people can change their minds over time it's like Mm -hmm. like one year the book is the best thing in the entire world and then a few years down the road you're like actually there's a lot of issues with this which I think is important you know like if it if it's culturally insensitive and no one talks about it and then a few years later you're like um let's revisit this like yeah that's happening a lot now yeah yeah I mean and I don't think that that's people are dubbing it cancel culture and things like that I don't think it's cancel culture it's personal growth and it's becoming aware of, of not so rapid like people think that the change is happening rapidly but it's really not you're just being made aware of it rapidly. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a whole nother. Yeah. <laughs> whole nother podcast issue. episode. Yeah. But when we're talking about like criticism, like what you were saying, if you post something and, and you're not really like, it's like a painting and you're, you're not really asking for criticism or maybe it just yeah. doesn't do as well as you thought it was going to. And then you're like, well, then I guess it's just not that great. <laughs> yeah, actually, like now that you phrase it like that, I think that second one is like, more of what would bother me (laughs) which is also leading like this whole social media like need for attention and this likes thing like that has really i think caused a whole lot of imposter syndrome but yeah i guess with art like your intention we talked about this last week your intention is like 
kind of to make people think and to make people have feelings. So I guess if they're sharing those feelings appropriately, no matter if they're positive or negative, I guess by putting art out in the world, you are kind of implicitly asking for the criticism. I guess that makes sense. I didn't really think about it like that until right now. (laughs) I mean, it's the same thing of anything you put on social media, you have to be aware of the fact that people are going to comment on it. And you're immediately opening yourself up to be compared to other people, which is another big thing. It's like social media. I mean, this is a whole other episode that we could do just about social media and art and how it's changed art. But like comparing yourself to other people on social media is a huge thing that feeds into imposter syndrome and like sometimes other people will compare you to other artists Mm -hmm. on social media and then you'll be like oh like I didn't I wasn't even comparing myself to that person but now I kind of am because you just did and it's like this whole never-ending cycle well because there's more access than there's ever been like think of I, I saw somebody tweet this is not necessarily art related but it was like 50 years ago, if you wanted to see a picture of a penguin, you had to have the picture. I don't know if the penguin was in the example, but if you want to see a picture of a penguin, you had to already have a picture of a penguin or you had to go either to your own thesaurus or to a library to look up a picture of a penguin in a book. And like, just think about how rapidly access to visual media has changed. I've lived in a lifetime where there was not like home computers or there were, but they were way too expensive for most people. So like just in my own lifetime, Google, like (laughs) being able to search, being able to reverse image search wasn't a thing, you know what I mean? So there's almost this constant stimulus for both the artist and the audience and the people consuming the art because they've just, they've just been exposed to so much. There's no, there's nothing, I don't want to say nothing, but there's very little new conceptually out there anymore. Everything is derivative of something else. And I think that's also like a huge part of imposter syndrome because you're literally sometimes borrowing elements of other people's work and it's not it's not like frowned upon it's not you're not actually stealing it's just like oh that style is really cool how can I interpret it my way but it's still originated somewhere else so if you succeed by that then you're like well dang I didn't fully think of that on my own do I deserve this praise it's all it's all connected I saw a TikTok the other day about how someone doesn't like labeling their art as fan art because they think that it's immediately going to be devalued because it has the word fan in it like fan fiction I feel like people are getting more confident in saying that now but people for like the longest time fan fiction and fan art had such a stigma around it because it was immediately devalued because it was fan something it it, like you weren't creating technically a world or characters you were using them and and making your own thing and people devalued that right off the bat and so like that kind of plays into what you were just talking about where it's like if you're borrowing something from something else and you're you're using it to then make your own thing it's like that can lead to feelings of imposter syndrome because you didn't automatically create every single thing that you were using Yeah, I mean, I think it's also one of those things that even if you don't think about it all the time, you you kind of just have this like almost societal unconscious bias about it because I think that as art has evolved and as content creation, which wasn't a concept until, you know, what, 10, 15 years ago, 
as that changes um and as i think it's it's honestly we have to talk about social media because it's all part of it but like if you're if you have access on social media to the original creator of something and you're like a comic let's say you have access to the person who created the original comic art and you're making you know some derivative fan art version of it and you're posting on social media doing so with the intention of tagging them so that they are aware there was never a time where that was possible before i mean i guess you could make a copy of your artwork and mail it to someone's p.o box if they publicized it but like doing it as a form of admiration for the original instead of making a facsimile of the original has kind of changed the attitude towards fan creation i think Maybe that's part of it. We've been talking about praise and things like that and comments, but we haven't really been talking about success, which can be defined in so many different ways. But maybe if your goal is to make money, like if you are successful in that venture, does that change the imposter syndrome? Or does it make it worse? Because then like, it's, it's like, do you feel like you deserve to be making this money? It depends on each person. Like, like what we were talking about the last episode, imposter syndrome is so different for so many people. I think confidence is a huge part of that. Like personally, even if I feel like something that I've put out there is technically successful in my definition of it, or if other people are like, hey, that's pretty successful. Good job. It's like, I'm always, there's always something in the back of my mind, like, is it though? But, and that's a personal confidence thing that I struggle with, but I just always have something nagging at me being like, "Mm, it's not where it could be, or it's not where it should be, or maybe I don't deserve where it is now. It's exhausting. It's it's feeling like you're never comfortable in anything that you do. Um, it's literally exhausting. So I don't know. It's something that I've been working on. And it's something that I'm still trying to work on. For me, I think the most often, like the, not the cause of the imposter syndrome, but what like puts me in the place where I can feel that way is that I feel like I know my own personal limitations better than anyone. I know it better than my friends. I know my limitations better than my audience. What I'm putting out there is what I'm, what I have the most confidence in. As an artist, I wouldn't necessarily post something I'm not super happy with or something I don't have a ton of experience with. So anything I'm putting out there, even if I see flaws in it, even if I know I can do better, like this is what I'm deeming as an acceptable level. When friends are like, oh my god, you're amazing, or oh my god, you can do anything, I'm like, but I can't. So like, I appreciate that you're my hype person, but I, I literally can't do what you're asking me to do. And that kind of makes me feel the imposter syndrome. Um, and I've just recently started like learning to be okay with telling people no um, and being honest with why I'm telling people. I've had people try to commission me for portraits and I just like, I'm not confident enough in my ability to do it. I haven't done them enough. The ones I have done, I haven't been super happy with, you know, like certain things that I just can't do. They're not my thing. But when I have to say no, or when I feel like someone's asking something of me because they're like, oh, well, I've seen you do this. Obviously you could do that. And then I have to say that I can't. It's like, "Uh, see, I'm right. I'm not good enough. When I can't meet that expectation, that's when I kind of feel like, how many other places should I be feeling this way in? I don't know. I feel like learning to say no is a really important thing that it 
it's very hard and it's still like it's still something that I'm not super good at either but when we're talking about imposter syndrome is like not being able to meet the expectations that people might have been might have built up it's almost like being a one-hit wonder you know like what you did was so good and so successful and then everybody expects you to be able to repeat that or to be able to do that in a different style or the next year or whatever the you know case may be and you're like and when you can't or you fail to fail I'm using air quotes you can't see me but I'm using air quotes when you fail to by their standards or by your own I think that can cause it and that kind of goes into back to the self-worth and also the actual worth and can really screw with how you if you're trying to do this to earn a living how you physically value your work it's like comparing yourself to your past self for me it's like when I look at one of my old videos and I'm like I did that and I don't think I could replicate that or do like I'll sometimes look at videos that I did in the past and I'm like wow I like was really out there doing this and I feel like I can't do that anymore right now and that may not be true (laughs) but that feel like that you can't do it but that feeling of inadequacy is going to be enough to stop you from trying yeah and that's where like you really become your own roadblock and it just builds on itself. You're saying how this is your passion and this is what you love to do and you you can't do anything other than create because that's like your calling. But then you're talking about stuff like this that makes you literally miserable and exhausted. <laughs> so like the same thing that causes us happiness causes us pain. I feel like that's true about so many things. I mean, yeah. even something as basic as having children. Like you have to find things that are going to give you more positive thing. like the positives have to outweigh the negatives and for me the positives of creating art and putting myself out there creatively outweigh the negatives of doing that and so like let's as we kind of come near the end of the episode talking about ways that we might overcome imposter syndrome that's a big one for me is like when I am really feeling it because sometimes I do really feel it and I feel like it's important to allow yourself to feel that that pain when I'm really feeling it I try to remind myself like the positives of creating and the way that you feel when you create outweigh this feeling that you're feeling right now Mm -hmm. of I'm not good enough and I don't deserve this and I'm not as good as xyz creating outweighs that always for me I think I've tweeted about this or talked about this but like I will keep like really positive comments that made me feel really good at the time Um, And I'll go back and read them like multiple months and years later when I'm having not a good time and be like, see, you did that. You could do it again. Or see, you made this person happy, these people happy. Like, it's worth it. But I've also been trying to figure out like what makes it easier for me to create as opposed to working against things. Um, so like for me right, right now, particularly because I'm unemployed, like this is my job. And so when I'm not marketing myself or making a ton of sales or getting a lot of commissions, I feel more like a failure because like, I'm also failing to support myself. And I'm like, well, this thing that I've invested so much time and energy into, like I'm inadequate, but I've also been finding that when I stop (laughs) trying to promote myself and things like that. And constantly putting stuff out there, that's when people reach out to me. And that feels really good because I'm like, well, I didn't really have to do much except exist. And people are like, oh, can you make me this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can make you this. Thank you. I don't know if that makes sense to in many other situations, 
but I guess like just maybe taking taking a step back and and kind of walking away for a little bit is helpful sometimes because you get so in your own head when you're making art it's like you're you're myopic like you're just single-mindedly focused on one thing at times and sometimes you just need to take a step back and realize that there's other things out there that can be influencing the way you're feeling. Over the past year, I've had a really hard time trying to figure out like what to do with my YouTube channel. And you can tell, I talked about it a little bit publicly. I don't know, after like when everything kind of happened last year with the pandemic and then um, Supernatural going on its like indefinite hiatus and the end being near, but no one knew when it was actually going to happen. And, you know, obviously conventions couldn't happen anymore. And so a lot of the content that I had been making suddenly was no longer like I didn't even have an option I couldn't make it anymore and like for those of you don't know my YouTube channel was really focused on Supernatural and I loved making content about it but it became stressful trying to figure out like how do I how do I work my way around this when everything that I had been doing is now no longer really a thing and I didn't really feel motivated at at that point to even make a ton of Supernatural content anymore and so then I just felt like I couldn't make videos at all. And it became this like really big mind spiral. And so what resulted from that was me just not posting very much video content. But then like earlier this year, I kind of just had this thought that I was like, you know, I don't need to just make supernatural content. I didn't even, that's not even how my channel started. I was making videos about books before I even watched Supernatural. It just like, I fell into this cycle of just creating supernatural videos when I have so many other things like I could be making content about and that I'm passionate about and I'm like I've been limiting myself just mentally I had this roadblock up of like you can't post anything unless it has something to do with supernatural but no one no one ever told me that I I told myself that like it's my channel I can do whatever I want taking the reins and and realizing that kind of helped me a bit but I feel I feel similarly and I think this is really interesting about that we may have skipped over with the fan art conversation because you definitely more so than me but I think we may have because I also for people who don't know um started doing fan art for the first time a couple years ago when I started selling at supernatural conventions so for the longest time only art that I was putting out there for public consumption was fan art and that's totally fine and I was selling it and I was making money doing it but now I'm I'm finding that it doesn't bring me joy. And that's not to say like, if you were planning on commissioning me to do a supernatural painting, I will absolutely still take that commission. However, (laughs) I don't intend really to make consistent fan art anymore. And that's not because, like until something strikes me maybe, but that's not because I'm looking down on fan art because I'm not, there are some amazing fan art. It's just because it doesn't personally like, fulfill me anymore so now it's a matter of like rebranding yourself and making sure your audience is going to go along with that journey if you switch from like for me if I switch from all of a sudden from painting baby and you know wings to studies of the female body maybe so yeah that's a whole that's a whole nother aspect of this I don't even think it's a separate conversation I think it's all part of this I mean I feel like rebranding yourself as an artist is it could be a different conversation but that's true but like I don't know the feelings that come along with when you start doing a new thing and maybe it doesn't get as positive or as much of a reception as what you had previously been doing that kind of stuff can feed into the imposter syndrome more 
Yeah. How many times can Alana say feed into imposter syndrome? Count them. <laughs> anybody who, maybe not anybody, but a lot of people who work in fan art or have an audience around a particular show or thing that is not going to, in theory, last forever or always hold the same weight in your life are going to are gonna go through that. I'm going to go through like the, it's also a matter of like, some. it takes time. Like it's, it takes time to figure out what you want to do after you stop doing the thing you've been doing. You know, it's not always like this 2am revelation of, oh my God, this is what I need to be creating. So in that lull, I've been having a lot of that, (laughs) that lull. You're like, cool, I'm an artist, but I'm not arting. So am I? (laughs) Sometimes you, when you're trying to figure out why you create in the first place or why you make art in the first place or why you use a certain medium and you're going through that evaluation, you're like, the reasons aren't good enough this doesn't make me happy enough. I'm, I'm going to, I like being creative. So maybe I'll do this or nope, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to do it for me when I feel like it, but I'm not going to be a consistent artist. And I think that's okay. Presenting yourself to the world as one way and then changing your mind. It's all about like, it has to be what feels right. It has to be what makes you happy. And it's okay if that changes because we're all human and we evolve. I think sometimes the imposter syndrome or even just the self-doubt will come when you're evolving and you aren't like willing to recognize that about yourself. I think imposter syndrome can lead to immense amounts of, of growth and self-realization. There's, it's a double-edged sword. Finding out what works best for you and finding out coping mechanisms. Mechanisms. <laughs> finding coping mecha- mechanisms. That's a fun word. Um, (laughs) That's important to me. Like, it's going to sound cliche, but if I journal about something, it helps to, like, actually just get my thoughts out, even if it's just, like, word vomit. Like, I have a notebook that I just write my random thoughts about creating in when I get super mad or sad or something. (laughs) And sometimes when good things happen, too, like, just getting my thoughts down or, and then the whole, like, not, not going looking for stuff about my work or about me and you know taking a break from social media and you know stepping away for a bit like these are all things that I do when I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed with imposter syndrome but that's just stuff that helps me and it differs from person to person so I feel like it's trial trial and error definitely I think sometimes a lot of what you talked about like leaving like taking a break from social media etc and just like being introspective is because you stop putting yourself in front of other people besides yourself for a while Mm -hmm. um so I do I do find that helpful it's all hypothetical what you do to help your imposter syndrome this is where we ask for your opinion on imposter syndrome if you want to find us on social media we're on instagram at art hypothetically and we're on twitter at art hypothetical because twitter limited our character (laughs) (laughs) i'm so mad about that still and we're on apple Podcasts and spotify and amazon music and youtube well that's the end of our episode about imposter syndrome we hope you've enjoyed it thank you so much for tuning in we will see you next time hopefully i'm alana i'm illy and this has been art hypothetically